The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. If I could if I could use this for every every podcast intro that I ever create, <laughs> I would be very Including happy. the ones that don't have us involved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough. Funny enough. I actually, I actually put a similar one together using the planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, Steve Martin rant uh, for another podcast. Um, Blue Gorilla Radio, which aired, I don't know, twenty thirteen, maybe twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. and um, they didn't like it. They thought it was, you know, it, it was it, it was a long extended intro like that, yeah. but they thought it was. Uh, it was too, um, it was too professional sounding and they wanted <laughs> no word of a lie. They preferred their own where it was some guy screaming in a basement, blow gorilla radio. And then had this, um, poorly recorded guitar chord. Okay. Um, and, and I, I can't argue with that. Cause I mean, preferences, that's preferences, what they right? want. Yeah. Um, that's how they want to market themselves. Yeah. Uh, they ended up deciding that it was too costly to uh, to to rent out the studio. They wanted to rent. They were renting out the studio um, every Saturday morning for about a month and a half. Um, ended up doing six episodes here, um, and uh, they would do kind of like, kind of. You, you know how we talked about um, how we talked about turning this into a a roundtable type of thing of producers. Yeah, they kind of. Um, <clears throat> They kind of did that same thing, but with comedians. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, they would actually have, they would actually have, um, the, uh, a touring music, a touring comedian, comedian that came in every, every day. And there was a, like a, a main host and a co-host and then the, the one or two comedians that were on tour coming through and she's going to wow. lose. Yeah. She's really getting into that bone. It's going to disappear into the couch right away because, yeah. <laughs> um, mm, tasty. Anyway. So, so yeah. Too I expensive it. to rent the <laughs> studio though. Well, and, and that was before we had this space. They would have, they would have used this space in a heartbeat because um, what this space is, you bring in your own computer, you slap it down, you're in and out for, you know, peanuts, right? Yeah. And everybody sitting around a table. This is what they wanted, right? Um, yeah, they was just, this when you were in the process of building this? No, no. This is, this is like I said. This is four or five years ago already. Mm. Yeah. So this is probably one of those things that gave you the idea because you were talking about it did turning yeah. this upstairs space into a, a a second studio for years before you actually pulled the trigger. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, yeah really. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was them that I had the first conversation with though. Okay. Um, Cause they were, we, we, 
we had all sorts of conflicts with them because I'd have a band that would want to set up on a Friday night for a Saturday session, mm-hmm. but these guys are booked for relative peanuts for the time they're there. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they were, they were a three and a half hour booking. Um, cause they'd, they'd come in and their, their tech guy would want, he'd want 45 minutes for setup. And then of course we'd have to rearrange the furniture. We'd have to haul in the, we hauled in the couches into the, uh, into the Charlie Brown room. Oh yeah. And, I remember when you did that. Yeah. And we, we, we set up, uh, we set up microphones and, and, um, and then of course a, a sound check to make sure that when the comedians show up, all that's done. Right. Mm-hmm. And the comedians show up and they'd have, they'd have 20 to 30 minutes of, of prep time, you know, going through what, you know, what they're going to talk about and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then after they're done, they'd have this, they'd have this kind of extended debrief. And so it was a three and a half hour, it was a three, uh, three and a half hour thing. Okay. And it, I mean, it, it was pretty cool. I have, I, I have all six episodes on the, uh, on the computer here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had they had some funny, interesting conversations, but yeah, uh, I think it ended up um, the website the website they were promoting because it, it was it was kind of a trend gorilla, I think was the website. Last I checked, it was still it was still up and going, um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I I like our intro. <laughs> Long tangent to basically say I like our intro, <laughs> which I'm sure people listening don't really care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, um, probably started because you don't care. <laughs> um, okay, I um, we were gonna have a. I made arrangements to have a guest to come in today. Uh, another engineer in town. Um, but they haven't arrived yet. They're, they're not me. They're not coming. Oh, okay. um, so not they, quite a me. They got a booty call late last night and said, "I'm not gonna be there." <laughs> okay, girl involved. Girl All involved. Right. Yeah, sure. It's all good. It was. It, it was a very funny conversation because he um, he called me and and wanted to know how I felt about that, and that was going to um, that was going to. Uh, make his decision on whether or not he he uh accepted this call yeah what yeah <laughs> whatever you just live your life dude <laughs> well he was i mean he he was torn between you know he'd made a commitment to come and talk on our dumb show yeah uh but he also wanted to spend the night with this girl and i always and, and, I, and I told him you know girls get, come first really for the most part Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Um anyway, I I have uh I have a handful of things um on the docket. Uh Sure. Did I did I mention last week that the uh 160 died? The DBX no. 160? Uh I think you were telling me it was dying, but not necessarily oh. that it had died. It's not it's it's so it's not dying. I'm 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 pulling it out today to take it into um I'll start to uh, have them okay. take a look yeah, at it. You did yeah. mention to me, I don't know if it, okay. we were on, like, I don't know if it was on the show when you told me about it, but you did tell me that you were going to get your 160 fixed at All-Star. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to pull it out today. Um, 
and uh, what else? I did a I did a couple of marathon mixing sessions on the weekend, and that was a ton of fun. Um, I used the hybrid setup we we talk about often enough. Mm-hmm. Um, a blues EP um, and a uh, kind of a modern indie rock um, EP. Um, that was that was good fun. They both they both. I think the new uh, monitor setup that we have down there. Yeah. I think it's working because I've been taking the mixes out into the car and I don't want to kill myself. <laughs> They've been sounding relatively okay. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't think I've done any mixing on my new monitors yet. Uh, just watching movies. I've done some critical listening on them. I just haven't like actually done some work on them yet. Hmm. But uh, when Mary got back from her schooling, right, it was pretty fun to be like, here's the old speakers listening to like a song and then be like, and here's the new ones. She just goes, well, you're not allowed to bring those or you're not allowed to listen to the old speakers ever again. <laughs> <laughs> what are the, um, can you describe, because uh, you got the Dynaudio LYD48s, right? Yeah. Um, can you describe what the big difference is? Uh, I feel like there's more clarity. Okay. Um, there is less low end. Really? To them, yes. I I wouldn't have expected that with the three-way. I didn't realize that the uh, the Yorkvilles were so high-end boosted until okay. I was listening to the, the LYDs. Um. But I mean, there's still clarity in the low end. Like I could still hear your like 40 hertz. Really? That's stuff. awesome. Uh, but it feels like I could actually like pinpoint frequencies to a very smaller. Um, Sweet. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just feels like I can more accurately hear every little tiny detail. Is there a, um, is there a, significant um difference in the mid-range aside from the yes. clarity of the mid-range is there a different like sonic um when i switch back and forth between the focals and the neumanns um especially in their position there's definitely there's definitely a an eq curve difference between them um do you have um, something similar with the not sure i noticed anything like that at least not in the mids the low end, obviously, right. uh, but no, I don't. Other than if just sounds more clear, I don't think it's really much of a difference in EQ curve for the mids. Okay. The highs, though, um, the Yorkvilles seem to have less highs than the Dynaudios. Okay. Um, which so, has led me to believe that the Yorkvilles had like so little of high end and that's why I always boosted high end and then got complaints that I had too much high end, high end. Yeah. In my mixes. Right. And now that I have the down audios, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to probably be mixing with less high end. Nice. Cool. It, it uh, should lead to 
overall better balance. Yeah. Now you're you're keeping both sets of speakers. Yeah. Right. Um, I have those and my Behringer <laughs> speaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I am keeping all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the Dyne audios are going to be the mains. Um, I'm going to use the Yorkvilles as like. I'm kind of mid-tier, prosumer kind of speaker. Right. And then the Behringer is just there to sound like garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. That's my plan anyway. Right on. Although currently, at least the only like two days now, I've been playing a new bass. A new, like a new bass guitar? Yeah. I haven't bought it yet. Okay. I, uh, I've just been trying it out to see if I actually like it. I think Mary is more interested in it than me. Because she <laughs> thinks it's pretty. My ba- The bass. Oh, yeah. Did you, um, did you bring it home? Yeah, I brought it home to try it out while I'm on a four-day weekend. Right. And, uh, I don't know, I like it. Mary, though, I think likes it more than me, because, like, <laughs> the moment she saw it for the first time, she's just like, so are you going to buy it? <laughs> what is it? It's uh, just an Ibanez SR something. It's got, it's fan fret, six-string bass. A six string. Yeah, I, I'm looking for a good six string bass. And this actually fan. might be the one I go with. I was a little hesitant because of fan frets. Yeah. Um. But I'm actually finding it not that bad to play. Cool. Um. What was the uh, what, uh the SR eight hundred six. It might be an 806. Um, it, it's got like something ridiculous. Like just by looking at it anyway, it's got like, I think five to seven different types of wood in it. Oh yeah. What, uh, which finish is it? Um, I'm not sure what the finish is called. It looks pretty funky though. Like dark brown or? Um, it's like an orangey brown, I guess, but like the cut okay. that they have, cause it is just a stain is got right. like you could see kind of knots in the wood oh yeah it, yeah. it looks like awesome and it's like kind of almost like a marble look to it but you can clearly tell it's wood yeah that's awesome um i just brought it up on sweetwater um probably not the right uh color but um yeah it's a nice looking thing yeah i mean i mean I usually don't care for Ibanez's bases because, especially the SR series, because they're not really all that quality. Yeah, well, they're... but you do luck out occasionally and find like an oh. SR that plays really well, and I think that's what's happening with this base is just I lucked out. Although it's a twelve hundred dollar base, so <laughs> maybe they put some extra attention. Maybe. It's usually for their bases, I go with the BTB series okay because those are usually the higher built quality bases sure sure um 
the five string I have downstairs is an Ibanez SR. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have an SR five string bass as well. Okay. Um, I don't care for it all that much because, like, I can never, I can't get set up in a way that I like it. It's either the high strings are way too high above the fretboard, right? Or if I lower it, then I get a ton of fret buzz when I'm hitting lower notes. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm currently waiting for a set of strings because I'm gonna try out some flat wounds, but I'm when those come in I'm gonna get my five string set up and mm. by someone better at it than me and hopefully I can get a good balance there. Right. That is one nice thing about the the one I have is the setup is pretty nice. Not a lot of buzz and and um pretty low pretty low to the frets. Yeah. Well, the, the one, the six string that I'm playing is pretty much like that. Uh, I feel like it's a really good balance all the way across. Right. But I, and I've written a few ideas. Oh, like things for us to talk about today? No. Oh. Like <laughs> music. <laughs> uh, I got excited about the wrong thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've, I've been writing some music and. As a result of this bass, I guess, because right. I don't know, just inspired, and I've been playing a lot to the point where, like, my hand is actually a little bit sore. Nice. Yeah, Roland came in the other day with uh, with a big um, blood blister on one of his fingers from from playing bass because he's playing bass in that 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 band he went on tour with. Okay. Um, and I, I guess they're they're continuing to hire him to just be the bass player. Cool. Maybe yeah. it'll lead to him playing bass. Yeah. Well, he's he he says he's kind of enjoying it, um, but I think he, I think mostly it's he enjoys the guys, um, and they're dragging him to Toronto uh, for a showcase show um, middle of July. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's a yeah. It's a paid gig. Um, hotels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good networking tool yeah yeah exactly um is he understanding ne- networking finally or he's yeah he's slowly getting a hang of it yeah. um he's he's had uh he's had um some steady work the last couple of weeks which is awesome um which is pretty good uh and um he just uh he he actually talks about uh about coming on the podcast um to to tell this story so if I don't do it justice, maybe he'll come back and retell it. But um, he's working with this band uh, out of Guatemala, and they've they've done they kind of did a half in the studio, half out of the studio tracking. Okay, um, but they don't like any of their mix engineers down there, so they've they've gotten a hold of him through networking, and um, and they they did all this all their sessions in in Reaper. Okay. And have sent him all these things, and and he's had he's had uh, issues with what they're doing because they're they're half doing it themselves, right? Okay. Um, so some of the quality is just not so much the quality. It sounds like it's more arrangement issues because mm. um, they don't have they don't have someone else saying, "Hey, listen, you need to you need to have a rhythm guitar when guitar number two turns into a lead guitar." 
you need to have some sort of rhythm that takes over that because it's it's metal yeah. right you need that you need to maintain that full sound you can't go down to a blues trio or something yeah um so, so, so little things like that um uh, they were you know uh they had they had pre um pre-silenced all the toms um manual gating roland calls it okay they they'd edited out all the all the spaces where the toms don't play on the tom tracks no see you don't like that but but i really do because i i like gates and i and i yeah but the the thing is is sometimes what you're gating out is like might be a good room tone or something like that sometimes if it's a well-tuned tom and it doesn't resonate every time the kick drum hits or sure right and and so you're you're at you're expecting a lot yeah it doesn't roland roland doesn't doesn't like that kind of thing anyway though so um for him this is this is ideal and i do that myself like i'll i'll manually rather than trying to gate a tom perfectly for every hit especially with with players that aren't aren't super consistent i'll go through and, and i'll edit all that stuff out um to clean it all up well if there's and then, consistency problems and stuff then well at that point especially with metal i'm just like samples <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what i do hey here's it i don't here's care it. if the band thing wants is like oh, i want it. no samples <laughs> Well, you don't have to tell them if they don't, if they don't know. I don't tell them. I yeah. just say, yeah, I just EQ'd the shit out of it. <laughs> Reality is, is I replaced every single thing on there. There you go. Um, I don't uh, care if any of my clients overhear this and <laughs> realize that I just sample replaced all their stuff. Be a better player. <laughs> and, and be better. Have a better tuned yeah. thing. Um, so here, here's a question that, uh, that we ran up to the other day. I know I can do this in um, in Pro Tools and Cubase, uh, but we don't know how to do this in Reaper. Uh, what is this? Um, creating that. Uh, how do you create triggers out of the existing drum track? Let's say the kick drum. Oh, that's easy. And, and we don't. We couldn't figure out how. We didn't do a ton of ton of research online yet. Um, Roland was in the process of doing that, but. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I mean, you just. There's um, oh, I don't remember what it's called because every time I look for it, like I have my own folders and stuff for all my stuff. So I right. have like a folder that is like drum triggers or whatever. So I have like this, like your like your your samples. Uh, well, samples is in that same okay. folder. Uh, okay. This is a plugin, though specifically. Oh, okay. Uh, it is a plugin that comes with Reaper. What is it called? Um, if you look up trigger it will come up like if oh, okay. you go into like the plugin window yeah. select all plugins and then just type in the search bar trigger it will shorten the list to everything that says trigger in the name right and it is one of those i think it's like a, a js or something like that yeah okay uh, it's one of those non vsds or whatever but you open that up and it has like a open threshold closed threshold i usually have the closed threshold pretty high so that i don't get um, um snare hits in the toms type of thing well no it, it multiple triggering uh, uh, oh i gotcha like yeah. where the second harmonic 
re-triggers the 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 gate i guess right um but anyway it you put that on the track and then it will convert the signal into a, a midi blip yep and then you can put samplematic 5000 which is comes with reaper as well <laughs> awesome okay uh and then i use that as like the the library how accurate folder. how accurate do you find um it it can be pretty accurate okay um and the, like the samplematic like the the sample trigger software yeah uh that that has a lot of controls so that you can make it like the moment that mini blip hits the uh the sample triggers right and it really it just depends on your settings with everything but right especially like the the drum trigger um because you have the, you do have to set the thresholds for when um the trigger opens to make the midi blip and then having the also closing mm -hmm. uh so that it sounds like it sounds like the same thing that uh that drumagog does yeah yeah um we, in in cubase it's even one step one step easier you don't need a plug in for it you just uh um cubase will analyze the the um the wave file right and establish hit points which you can then export those hit points as yeah as triggered uh, uh, as as midi the there midi might clips. be easier ways to do it but that um, that sounds super easy because that's yeah. that's that's like i said that's the same way that uh that drumagog does um yeah. yeah i mean it's just two things in your inserts which is nothing but i mean whatever that they take um they take don't take any processing power because mm -hmm. their uis are ugly as sin <laughs> it's just basically like a windows screen with yeah. sliders yeah <laughs> and then awesome. samplematic is just this yellow thing and it has like a thing that allows you to tell it where the folder with all the samples are right is and you can do you have to have your that. own samples for it uh you just need to tell it where samples are it doesn't have its own samples so okay. at least not to my knowledge it doesn't yeah. that's and, and that and that's totally fair for for an included yeah yeah I mean, I've never thought to check and see if it comes with sounds. Yeah. I should maybe look at that because maybe it does, but. You have your, you have, have your sounds my own anyway. Right? Sample libraries. Right. And I'm going to get some more because Chango, um, I don't know who this person is, but I always hear their name. Um, they released all of their products for free recently. Oh, really? So I'm going to download those. Cool. Apparently, he has a really good uh, drum sample library. Chango? Yeah. C H A N C H E N G O. Chango and Co. Um, drum samples. There you go. Chango drum samples. Uh, Chango Studios. Yeah. I don't know. He He's. That guy has started something where he's trying to promote creativity among people right so he's been encouraging people to release things for free for the community that he's created right uh he's got lots of stuff for sale on his website here well i saw a post on facebook that was like releasing everything for free really that's awesome um 
or so the post says. Maybe right. you have to sign up for his newsletter or something. And that'd be totally fair. Um, there is a free... Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. But regardless, like, yeah, that's another resource for um, samples and stuff to yeah. use along with this. But that is how I add samples to things. That's uh, that, and I mean, and that's exactly what we were looking for. That's assuming I have to make it from scratch, right? Because my templates, I got automatically sending to an auxiliary track that has all, all that, that all loaded that, in and yeah. I just have to unmute it and pick a sample. Right. And then just, if I don't like the original drum sound that I just route it so that it doesn't send to the master bus. Here's a question for you. Um, you've talked a lot about, um, about your template and how efficient and how well stocked it is. Right. Um, one of the reasons I haven't established a template or built myself a template is because I, I tend to, I tend to find it just as fast to, to just build things on the fly as I go, as, as I, as I, as I find it is for me to drag my files into my template, move them all into the appropriate places. How do you, how do you, my templates are pretty in depth though. Right. Like my, I have a kick drum track where I load all the stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, but like I, I, my kick drum goes into this track that's being routed to like seven other effects and stuff like right. that. So it does actually save a lot of time and it, it's, it's all like effects that I find I use on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. And so I just have to un- unmute those, tr- those sure. tracks and then just create quick settings in the whatever, like I even have like them loaded up with like three compressors each, just so that okay. I can try different colors of compressors and stuff like that. Sure. And they're all bypassed to begin with, but it's simple as just unbypassing, creating my very aggressive settings usually for like parallel compression for, but so my question actually is how long does it take you to drag the multi-track files into your session and, and be up and ready to go? Like hit, hit play for the first time. Well, it's not like other DOS, so I can take the folder drag and drop and it populates everything into the right spot. Yeah, like it, it it intuitively knows what what the what the multi-track file is, or like the files are named and drags them into the right spot. Well, I have my tracks all named certain things, so I know what they are. In oh, the so template. You, you'll well, I know you'll like in your template for sure, but I mean like the actual like the actual wave files you get. Like, do you go well, through and rename if the them? wave files are not named? Then I. Um, yeah, but I mean annoyed. But I, I know, but I mean, there's there's something as simple as as um, like you drag your files in, and your template is set up for fourteen tracks of drums, but they've only sent you nine tracks of drums. That's fine. You, you know, like like, like how, I how, purposely uh, made my template like this right. is the most I would ever need. But my question is, my question is, how long does it take you to? 
to organize those WAV files, those individual track, uh, individual clips, into the right spots on your DAW. Is that just, just like a couple minutes and you're up and going? Uh, probably like thirty minutes. Okay, if that. And then, and then, you, like, I'm assuming, like, I was given a lot of tracks. Yeah. And that I'm populating my entire template. Because, uh, like, I definitely do have things on there that are just redundancies. Right. In case of, like, I have miscellaneous tracks that it's just like, <laughs> this is weirdo that. stuff that I don't know, can't think of at the moment, but <laughs> maybe I need something to go in those tracks. Like, maybe right. the, the band has, like, an oboe or something. Awesome. That's going to go into my miscellaneous track template. I love that you say. I love that you say miscellaneous. <laughs> but it's such an old man thing to incorporate the C in there. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, see, and 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 that half hour that you spend—that's assuming like a band though yeah, sent right. me like a hundred track song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Your average uh, song probably ten minutes. Okay. Whereas, like, setting up all of those, like, if I was to use everything that's in my template for that same 10 minutes of, like, drag and drop, yeah, it would take me a lot longer than that. So the template ends up saving you a, a lot of time on the on the whole. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, it saves me from doing all the weird routing stuff. Yeah. Because Reaper's kind of weird with how it routes. Right. Um, so... It, it it saves me going into like menus and clicking things and telling it pre or post mm -hmm. fader because I've already done all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it allows me to just be like, oh, I'm gonna just unmute this, load up a compressor, and right, abuse the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Sweet. It it it's kind of. I spent a lot of time building this thing because it took me like a full day to build it. Mm -hmm. But it's it going to allow me to not th really go into the technical side of things unless it's like the more like yeah uh, creative technical, I guess you could call it, where right. it's like, oh, that frequency is pointing out. I just need to get an EQ and get it out. Like that's right. quick. Instead of, oh, I need to route it to this track, uh, pre-fader, post-effects, um, and then do this, 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 and, and then make sure that the original track is not routed to the master. Yeah. So See, and I, and I, that's one of the things that, um, like, I enjoy doing it. It just, you don't want to have to do it when you're trying, when you're trying to be creative in a well, mix. There's that, and I have been on time crunches, and if I'm mm. building these complicated routing systems, like I'm eating my time allotted yeah. to me to do the mix. And I think I think that right there is probably my dividing line, is I tend not to do much in the way of complicated routing. Um, but I do. <laughs> absolutely, right? Uh, and, and and I think that's that's one of the reasons why I don't feel like like templates... Um, save me any time. So just I, I, like it, my base right. template alone, like that. Yeah, having that pre-made is saves it, me a lot of time already. Absolutely, 
because I don't have to think about, oh, where's my crossover point for each one of these tracks? Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, just to, 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 to offer the, the opposite of that, both the, um, both the bass players that I mixed this weekend, the, from the, well, the one from the blues band and the one from the, um, the alt rock band, mm-hmm. they were both really good players with really good tone mm-hmm. and neither of them needed much work in the slightest. Oh, yeah. Uh, other than, other than I smashed the crap out of both of them, but yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's the thing I like about my template is I can bypass things that I don't need. Right. So if a bass player was really good and I don't feel like I need to do my multi-band thing, I can actually bypass the multi-band. Right. But it's there when you need it. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. It, it is, isn't, an insane thing to look at because like <laughs> it's an insane thing to hear when you talk about it well if you look at it it's like 350 tracks your template is 350 tracks yeah fuck me <laughs> <laughs> like i don't even <laughs> you, you, yeah, uh, um uh i have it all organized in <laughs> folders and stuff so that i can like good god organize man. how it looks on um, the screen so I, like i can minimize i want like, you to all s- the bass stuff into like, <clears throat> one thing that yeah. just says bass yeah i i totally want you to send me your template just so that i can load it up on the computer and i'll use roland's um 48 inch widescreen and it's 36 inch i think but um widescreen to look at it because like 350 tracks it's God, man, I don't even, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever eclipsed 100 tracks on a song period. Oh, I've, and, and, and I, and I, I know don't you need have majority of these things. It's fair. just, you a have lot all, of that is a lot things. of redundancy and it's yeah. just being like, oh, sometimes <laughs> awesome. I need a second <laughs> parallel compression track. So I'm going to put that on this. I want to find a studio that we could actually set your template up analog just just that's like an orchestral i know (laughs) place i off the the top of my head a lot of this is just like weird like i don't know i have a reverb track for the vocals only type of thing and then like i even have like master effects things right so like it is a lot of weird redundancy (laughs) the analog equivalent to this would be millions of dollars yeah right just in the console alone (laughs) yeah the console alone would be ridiculous 32 channels would probably be used for the actual tracks and then there would just be a retarded amount of yeah parallel crap (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) because i like my parallel processing yeah and like I said, majority of it gets unused. It's just there for yeah when I need it. That's right. I just unmute it and get to work. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that it is like 300 tracks. That's nuts, man. I was expecting I was expecting 100, 120. No, yeah. no. I'm assuming. Well, An you, average of 32 tracks sent by the band. Right. With the potential of like, if it's a band that puts a little bit extra work into it, mm-hmm. maybe 48 tracks. Right. So I've, I've built the template 
to pretty much 48 tracks given to me. Okay. And then everything I could possibly need for those 48 tracks. And then on top of that, of like having extra stuff for the weird things that get presented to me. Sure. So it builds up quickly because yeah. you go like vocals. How many vocal tracks do I need? Well, worst case scenario, I generally average about six to 10. So I make, I made like 10 vocal tracks and then it's just yeah. like, what effects do I usually use on vocals? Well, I usually do a parallel reverb thing. Uh, sometimes I have parallel co compression, usually anywhere from two to three of those. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And I then, had my phone today. I, I take a picture. Yeah. Um, so like that, that's just vocals right there. So you already got, uh, 14 tracks for vocals alone. Yeah. Uh, kick drums is probably pretty terrible because it's like original kick drum track or actually my drum drums is like the, the biggest part of that because I have a uh, I have a track that is MIDI drums. So if somebody gives me a MIDI track. Oh, really? Yeah, because that okay. is a thing that sometimes yeah. happens. So I have a track to throw that into, and then that splits into into all your the, the multi-track outputs, uh, right. which then gets sent to like all my parallel compressions, um, right? My sample or resample um, tracks, of which I have like two for the kick drum and two for the snare, <laughs> just in case yeah. I want different like layers of samples, right? Uh, but on top of that, I also have, if they mic'd all the drums, like all that as well, routed to the same things. Yeah. So there is like kick drum out skin or kick drum in skin, in shell, uh, and then sub kick as well. Cause some people do have those big speakers that they've turned into microphones. And they send yeah. those. So I have that as well. And that's all being routed to... Like a kick drum bus. Yeah. 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 I, I do literally have like a kick drum bus. Like all these things are underneath the kick drum. And I can minimize them so that it's just kick drum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, yeah, a lot of things are routed. And I'm I'm reusing a lot of effects too because like my MIDI drums aren't being sent to different com parallel compressions. They're being sent to the same parallel compression tracks. Right. So I'm saving some room, but like kick drums alone <laughs> is probably like 20 tracks. Yeah. Man, really? Well, I'm probably exaggerating. That's Maybe it. just a little. Uh, there'd be like three if they mic'd them for just me inputting actual wave files. So I have the the MIDI one. I have two sample layers. I think I have three parallel compressions. Okay. Yeah. So that's about fifteen ish. Right. What do you do for kick drum reverb? I usually just bus. Like well, just bus. Actually, too. I think I might actually have a. A separate reverb track as well for kick. In case. I rarely use it though. Mm -hmm. But I might have one. 
If I don't, I'm not going to make it, but because I can make that pretty quick. <laughs> and that doesn't seem like something that should be in my template. Majority of the time, if I am adding reverb to the kick, it's being added at the drum bus right. portion. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing is like all my buses, they then have their own parallel pr processings for each bus. Yeah. Interesting. I do that. Yeah. Like, you're a, you're a parallel master. No, I just, <laughs> I like the effect that it gives. So I do a lot of parallel processing and it's not just compression. It's all sorts of things. Um, what other kind of things do you do? Uh, a lot of distortion. Parallel distortions. Yeah. Those are fun. Uh, some weird EQ things can be fun too. Like what kind of things? Like if you EQ certain things, like maybe you noticed a problem that's in multiple tracks and it's like a frequency problem, you can isolate that frequency and then flip it out of phase before oh, it yeah, hits okay. the, the bus and then it sure. gets rid of that frequency problem. And of course you just play with the, the volume to increase or decrease the uh sure the effect so and you would do that rather than um then eq all the things EQ yes thing? okay <laughs> okay because if i can eq 10 things with one eq and no but that's that's what i'm saying like like a uh like an my oh. solution to that would be an eq on a bus well i was just that using that as an example no but. yeah for sure but it, yeah okay but it could be like uh in most situations where that that's a thing, it'd probably be like DSing or something. Like maybe mm. my manual DSing wasn't enough, or maybe I don't have the time to actually right. manually do all the tracks given to me. So I'll just, I don't know, isolate probably four to seven K yeah. and then just flip it out of phase and play with the volume. Interesting. Maybe automate the volume if needed. Right. Because that, that'll automatically lower the volume of that frequency yeah. anyway. You still haven't found a de-esser that you like, hey? Uh, I don't mind the Oxford one because it does automate itself. Right. But, I mean, that that's... Sometimes it's just not as good. And so I, I do tricks like that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Or I, I even use the phase trick for a, a pseudo gating kind of thing. How so? Uh, you compress the living hell out of stuff. Yeah. And then you flip the phase. Oh man, I'm trying to remember all the details. <laughs> But there is like a, a compressed living hell out of it so that you get a lot of room sound and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you flip the phase and then it, you just play with the volume and it mm. lowers the, uh, right. The room tone. I was about to tangent, but you can even get rid of like snaring that way too. Interesting. Yeah. It takes a little bit more editing because right. you have to go in and like, isolate the uh, tr the initial transient and like just more or less get rid of it sure which i mean i guess you could do with like a 
a really quick compressor. Mm. Yeah. That just targets the the initial transient and then leaves the rest. Okay. And then flip the phase and it would get rid of the ring. Right. Though I don't have that as a pre-made thing because that's a very specific need. Yeah. And it wouldn't take me long to build that track. Right. Majority of the pre-built stuff is the, oh, I need a parallel compressor. Unmute. <laughs> like the stuff I use on a regular basis. Yeah. Do you spend, um, when you're doing the, the, the prep for your mix, like importing your tracks and all that kind of stuff, do you spend time um, adjusting the clip volume? Uh, before you, or, or, or do you just, you just kind of bring Typically, up the fader? unless like there's some severe volume issues between yeah. tracks. Okay. Like if, if at zero, they have a track that's like super low compared to everything else, mm -hmm. I'm going to boost that thing. Okay. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's more just like odd, odd things that, that need it. You don't, you don't go through track by track and make sure all the... Not really, no. Yep. As long as it's a decent balance uh, going in, like even if it's only a little bit louder than the rest of the stuff, I'm not worried about that. It's yeah. the stuff that's significantly different in volume from everything else. Right. Uh, and, th and that's just primarily because I want my fader movements to actually be more effective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like the thing that is more quiet, like sh I move the fader a little bit, it's going to be like super quiet or super right more loud so i'm gonna increase it so that i have more control over that yeah that's fair yeah um but generally I, I tell everybody who's sending me stuff to make sure that your peaks are averaging about uh negative 18 to negative 12 sure for all the tracks yeah 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 that, that's fair that's usually pretty good yeah and then by the time they get it back, it's hitting zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Um, I had, uh, you had a thing. I had it. Oh, I, I had a tangent on the on the deesser thing. Okay. Um, we did another uh, uh, another live on G Radio um, broadcast last night. Yep. And Jeff had commented, Jeff's the main guy at G Radio. He'd commented that, um, that the, uh, the interview sounded a little harsh or a little, little sharp. I don't sure. know. Uh, basically what he's saying is there was, there was a little too much top end on yeah. it, right? Um, so I decided just as an experiment, um, last night I ran the, uh, the two DBX 520s. Mm -hmm. which are not stereo matched in the slightest. Um, I just ran them um, post bus compressor. Right. Because uh, I had uh, three different vocal mics, so I couldn't, I couldn't DS each one individually. Uh, and I just ran off, uh, ran them, the mix through, through these guys. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it kept the stereo image fine. There's very little shift. Okay. Throughout. It was a, it was an interesting experiment that took a little tweaking cause they're not, they're not matched at all. So if you would look at them, you know, like the settings are a little, a little wonky. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it ended up working really nice. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. I haven't, um, in the, in software, uh, I would do that with like a stereo deesser, right? Cause those are, those are plentiful, lots yeah. of those, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, a it was an interesting little experiment. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and I, I'd, I'd found another, um, another studio for sale. Oh yeah. Um, pictures, but I, I just looked through them as you were telling your story and they're not very, they're not even remotely interesting. So oh, yeah. it was Is Neil Young's studio selling for $4 million as well. Uh, Is it a mansion? 1.8 million. 1.8 million. Yeah. And it's, you said something about Neil Young. Yeah. It was, uh, Neil Young's former Topanga Canyon home where he built a studio 50 years ago. Today, that retreat is up for sale for a decidedly 2018 price tag of 1.8 million. Hmm. Yeah. I, I just took a look through it and it's, it looks like a jam space. Not, that's what I would expect from Neil Young. From, He's yeah. not a technical <laughs> yeah. person. He'd yeah. just probably have a place that he could do some songwriting. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also, uh, um, there's a conversation online um, about uh, about switching to uh, to an ampless rig with all the with all the stuff. Are you are you for or against that um, for live? Not studio, rig? of course. Yeah, uh, I'm for it. Yeah, you use a lot of that stuff in um, in mix sessions anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. How, which is the one you use? Hell, uh, I usually use the software stuff. Usually Lipo. Um, it makes say- well like lipo makes heads or emulations of different heads mm-hmm. and then i use the redwires um cab simulators or cab impulse responses right. redwire that's the one i did i yeah gotcha so right. you use you use a head simulator into an, a cabinet impulse yes okay that's what i do yeah you have to you have to text that to me that's great um pepper is sleeping on her back on top of mary on the couch it's very adorable (laughs) um there was something else i wanted to bring up um oh uh let's check our time anybody know what time it is 10 (laughs) <laughs> that's not helpful <laughs> um i had an interesting thing i apologize if i told the story already because um it's an older story maybe a month old now had a younger hip-hop producer in here a while back right. um where i was giving him an orientation of the studio um feeling you know showing him where everything is teaching him how the patch bay works how to patch things in. Um, and one of the things that he was oblivious to, and that I had to constantly remind him and might be the reason why he won't come back. Um, was he was, he was running his master output on his computer, like slammed, um, to the point where, I mean, it was, it was running into, he had a limiter on the output. Right. Um, at 
but it was at digital zero. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, just, just destroying everything. And I had to constantly remind him, look, you need to turn that down. You need to turn that down. This is what you're doing. You're clipping here. You're clipping there. You're clipping here. And he was constantly, he was constantly turning things up because he runs so much bass, hip hop guys, right? Yeah. Runs so much bass that the, everything above the bass frequencies is quiet in comparison. Yeah. So he wants to turn it up. And so he kept shutting down the speakers too. Oh, like he was running that hot? He was running, yeah, he was running everything, running everything that hot that the, um, the uh, overload protection, protection circuit comes in would, and would kick in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it would still sound like a distorted mess, but yeah. he was like, I got, well, I got, I got to get it louder. I got to get, I, you can't get it any louder. You actually have to turn things down. You know? And I mean, he's young. He'll, he'll eventually he'll figure out probably stuff learn, out, right? but like, yeah. you get things loud at mastering. You don't need it loud when you're mixing. Just get the sound good. He wasn't even mixing though. He was just tracking. Like okay. he was, he was, he was there to track vocals. Well, fuck. I know. <laughs> Does he know what a compressor is? Well, he, he had, he had lots of compressors going on and he had, like I said, he had a, had a limiter on the output. Um, but it was just a matter of his EQ balance, right? Like the, oh. the, the bass, the bass was dramatically louder than everything above the, those bass frequencies. Yeah. And that's what would happen. Exactly. You if you've got enough. a dense mix, you can't have a lot of bass. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like that, that's how it works. <laughs> I've had to tell somebody that recently who is like a, they're a pop person. So they understand right. this language a little bit better, or at least they're more receptive to sure what you tell them. But like there's an telling me, oh, I really like bass. It's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> so you're prepared to have nothing but just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that was actually something I ran into this weekend doing these two EPs, mixing these two EPs was, um, I found myself like, I, I normally mix with a heavy amount of bass. Sure. And, and I, I mean, it's, it's one of the things the mix engineer or mastering engineers always, always tell me, Hey man, can you turn down this? <laughs> um, That's the thing I've noticed with having the new Dyne audios is I can actually hear when somebody has too much bass right on their tracks these yeah. days. It's, it's, it's nice nah, being awesome. able to hear that anyway and just be like listening to a song and be like, it <laughs> has too much bass. And I know it has too much bass because I can clearly hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I found myself, uh, I, I have a, I, I ended up putting a multiband compressor, just doing some light compression on, um, on my two bus. Mm -hmm. And I found that the whole track just sounded cleaner and punchier when I turned down that low band, that bass band, mm -hmm. you know, and, and decibel and a half, two decibels ish, just a little, just a little tiny bit. And it just opened up the track and made the whole thing sound, I don't want to say fuller, but it sounded, everything was coming through clearer. Mm -hmm. It was just a, not something I've done a lot of. There we go. Not something I've done a lot of because, oh, that's right in there. Um, yeah, but I, it, 40 years old, I think you think I'd have a handle on this shit. <laughs> okay. We are out of time. We will see you guys all next time. See ya. Follow our hosts on Twitter at two bodies of water. Got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. 
I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.